This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, all a show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, joining us via Skype. And we're excited to have our guest today. It's Darlene Dozer, Program Coordinator and Instructor at Holmes Community College. Darlene's going to speak to us about the paralegal profession. Welcome to In Legal Terms, Darlene. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself How did and your your voyage to through the paralegal. My voyage um, is a very lengthy one. I began my um, college um, at Heinz Community College, and then I went on to Southern, and I majored in um, paralegal technology. Um, I've got a job at a large law firm downtown, and within my first year of working I was given the opportunity to teach a part-time class um, actually at Hines Community College and I loved it. The first night I went in I knew that teaching was what I wanted to do and so I continued teaching there and um, it took about 17 years uh, to get a full-time teaching position um, at a community college and um, in 2006 we began the paralegal technology program at Holmes Community College and I've been there ever since. The whole time I was working, um, teaching part time, I was working full time as a paralegal so that gives me a lot of background um, and stories to tell my students. That's fantastic. Professor Gershon, we're so glad you're with us today. Good to join you, Liz. Thank you. Darlene, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. Professor Gershon, uh, tell us, uh, from a lawyer's perspective, uh, the the value of paralegals. Well, you know, paralegals have made a, a big difference, I think, in terms of their ability to uh, do a lot of the things that free up lawyers to, uh, to actually deal with the complex legal issues. And, uh, and one of the things I tell my students, um, I, I did a, a quiz in class the other day. I do these online quizzes. And the question I asked was, do you like uh, group projects? And they all said no. Uh, but, of course, you know, the fact is, in a firm or in, in life, everything is a group project, and we're really lucky to work with uh, skilled professionals uh, from lots of different uh, perspectives, and especially paralegals. So, Darlene, tell us what are some of the duties uh, that paralegals are able to do that help lawyers that they may be associated with, you know, free up their time for trying cases and such. What all do paralegals do? Well, it's much easier to tell you what paralegals cannot do um, (laughs) because basically we can do everything except um, give legal advice. Uh, establish the attorney-client relationship, which is going to be setting fees or accepting a client and appearing in court. So we do not, um, if the attorney goes to trial and we are with them, we we never speak on behalf of the client. If you're in a deposition, um, doesn't matter what happens, you do not speak at the deposition um, in an official capacity, of course. Um, That leaves a large 
list of duties that paralegals can do. A lot of the the tasks that we do to help attorneys is going to be um, with organization, um, drafting documents, doing research, um, making sure that everything is done that needs to be done in a timely manner. All right. We're talking with Darlene Dozer. She's the program coordinator and instructor at Holmes Community College. And we're talking about the paralegal profession. If you would like to comment, ask a question, uh, maybe your, your, your burning desire is to be a paralegal and you want to know more about it, please give us a call. Our number is one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. But if you're at work and you don't want your boss to know that you have a desire to become a paralegal, you could always give us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. With the paralegal classes to become one, I guess as as with most classes, you could either do it in whole or little bits at a time about how much how many hours of coursework are needed to become officially a paralegal. All right. Well, our program is designed so that you can work through it at your leisure. We have got full-time students who take one or two classes online. We've also got students who work part-time and they take a full load. And then we have students who don't work at all and they take a really full load. So it's not like some of the medical programs where you come in together and you leave together. Um, Students can come in and they can take the course load that they are comfortable with with whatever's going on in life. You know, I have some students who are um, mothers or parents who stay home. They um, are, so they have small children that they have to deal with, or like I said, they have to work a full-time job. So if... um, we have we have any kind of situation that with classes that you can um, that you can work around. We have day classes that just start around eight o'clock and they end around twelve thirty. So several of my students go and work an afternoon or a night job after that, so they can still take a full co- course load. And then, like I said, we have a full online program to where if you cannot get to school because of small children or because you work all day, you can take all of our classes online. The program is sixty six hours, I believe. And it consists of five of what is considered academic classes. So you um, would have to take English Comp 1, Speech, College Algebra, a Humanity, and a Social Science. And then you have got 15 um, paralegal classes. So sometimes when people have um, coursework, college work that they didn't finish up, they've got those academic classes finished so they can actually come in and take a full load of paralegal classes and be out in three semesters. All right. So, you, you know, you mentioned people with uh, with kids. I guess not all of the students at homes or in a paralegal uh, class setting, they're not just right out of high school. There are some mature no. students. Last time I checked, the average age at Holmes Community College was about 32 or 33. Okay. And so, especially in my program, because the, the career technical programs are designed to get a student in and out of college with a degree straight into the workforce. So, I have, um, I have a, f- a handful that come straight from high school, but sometimes when they find out that they're going to go right to work, that doesn't excite them very 
very much. Um, so I have a lot that are in their mid to late 20s on up. I have had a 60, 65-year-old before. And so um, it's for all ages, for all um, walks of life. And like I said, um, we have men, we have women, um, those with children, those who are dealing with aging parents who may, um, they're having to take care of them, and then those that are working um, and wanting to either get the degree in order to get a raise or a, a promotion at work, or they're wanting to change careers altogether. All right. Well, we are talking today with Darlene Dozer, Program Coordinator and Instructor at Holmes Community College. If you have a question about the paralegals and paralegal path to that the path to that career. I've got some tug twisters going on. We'll take your calls after the break. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Holmes Community Colleges has five campuses in central Mississippi in addition to the online classes she was talking about. Do you know where the five are? We'll tell you when we come back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash inlegalterms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, who's joining us via Skype. This morning, we're talking about paralegals with our guest, Program Coordinator Darling. Dozier. And before we mentioned that Darlene was from Holmes and Holmes Community College has classes in Goodman, Grenada, Ridgeland, Kosciuszko, in Yazoo City. But a lot of the paralegal classes are available online. Correct. Um, our paralegal program is offered 100% online. And actually, our online um, program has been has received an award for being one of the most affordable um, online programs in the country. And so um, we're very proud to have the online option for those who cannot come to class. As I was saying before, um, you know, we've got moms who are um, have little ones at home that are not in school or daycare that can't come to class. Or you've got those that are working full-time so they can take their classes online. Um, the paralegal classes that I teach are offered on the Ridgeland campus. And so if you want to be in the classroom environment, you could you would be on, on the Ridgeland campus. However, as I said before, we've got those five academic classes. So you could actually take those at any other campus if you want to be on, in a campus environment 
for those academic classes and then take your paralegal classes online. All right. What about certifications? When someone wants to become a a paralegal, I guess we know, uh, Professor Gershon, your law students, in addition to earning their law degree, then they have to sit the bar exam, right? They do, and they have to also have a background check that includes, uh, you know, uh, in their application for the bar, uh, they have to be uh, certified of being of good character. And and, uh, so there are a lot of things that they have to go through before they can practice law. What about uh, for for paralegals? Are there certifications or uh, professional organizations that individuals can have to uh, help them continuing education and to show the world, hey, I'm not just somebody off the street. Exactly. One of the things I talk with my students about is setting yourself apart from all the other graduates in the state and really in the country. Um, When they graduate from homes, they will have a a college degree. But one of the things that we help them prepare for is national certifications. There are two groups that we um, are are associated with. The first is the um, National Association of Legal Assistants, and they have a certified paralegal program. And then the second is the National Association of um, Legal Secretaries slash assistants. And they have both a um, professional paralegal and um, an accredited legal professional designation. Um, Both of these are ways to tell the world, um, especially potential employers, that not only have you gotten your college degree, but that you studied and you cared enough about your profession to become nationally certified. Um, Both of these, there's obviously a fee to pay for them. You have to have so many years of experience plus a college degree, um, and you have to have an attorney verification that you are doing a type of legal work before you can take them. All right. If you have any questions for Darlene Dozier, our guest today, speaking about uh, paralegals, we would love for you to call in and be a part of our show. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. You mentioned some of the uh, initial 15 hours of humanities and English sort of things. Uh, Tell us uh, a little more about the actual paralegal classes. What are some of the specific things that uh, paralegals learn? And and tell us a little bit about each of the classes. Well, I think our class, our um, program is fun. Um, I'm interested in the law, obviously. I've been in it about 25 years. And um, but the classes that they will be taking will be those that they will actually could actually be finding themselves working in. You know, obviously, there's going to be an intro to law, which just gives them a, a overall background of our legal system. We talk about the government, how the government is set up. We talk about our court systems, because most probably they're going to be working, um, dealing with the court systems. Um, we have a legal re- 
research class and a legal writing class because that is a one of the um, aspects that attorneys often use paralegals in is doing either research or um, doing the actual drafting of legal documents. And many times, even if the attorney begins by putting together a document, the paralegal will go back in and verify the legal research aspects of it or go back in and clean up the writing to make sure that the paragraphs flow, um, to make sure that the point of the doc, the point the attorney wants to get across is actually getting across, which is why English is important. Um, and then we go into specific areas of law that not all attorneys work in, but that you may find yourself working in. For instance, we have a family law class. So if you work with a um, with an attorney that handles domestic um, situations, that will cover just about everything, obviously marriage and divorce and child custody and support, but also adoption. Um, and we've got a lot of issues going on with um, the different ways that babies can come into this world with um, surrogacy and um, in vitro and things like that. And one thing I tell the students all the time is that there's no way that the law can know what science and medicine and technology is going to, how they're going to improve. So the law has to see a situation happen and then catch up to it. So that's one of the interesting things um, that we find and we get to talk about in class is as, as, um, as these particular areas um, grow and we have new inventions and new, new ways to do things, the law has to catch up with and um, try to sort out some of the problems that can be that can be um, given. But we also have a wills and estates class. We have civil litigation because anytime someone sues anybody, you're going to be in court. So that takes the student straight from an incident all the way through the trial and an appellate um, situation. We have real property. Um, we have torts, which is basically personal injury. Um, and then we have uh, contracts and business law. So it gets them into just a touch of every, um, a lot of the areas that they might be working in if they go to work in a law firm. All right. And Darlene. Go ahead. Uh, I noticed, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I noticed that Darlene also, when you were at Bernini, you did some oil and gas work. So sometimes, you, even even though you've taken uh, courses uh, either in law school or paralegal school, you do end up in areas uh, that maybe you have to learn on the fly. Exactly. And I tell my students all the time, at the age of 21, I never thought I would be working in oil and gas, learning how to, um, or the, the aspects of drilling an oil or a gas well. Um, but... Interestingly enough, even though that is administrative law, if there's any kind of controversy, we go right back to litigation. And so I make sure that I let them know that um, if they end up, you know, working in an area that we don't go through, that we've learned something that they will be able to take into those areas. But, yeah, when you look at the different areas of law that is that is out there, that is the potential um, for an attorney to be dealing with, it is um, there's no way you can even even cover them all. That's very fascinating. And if you would like to participate in our show, remember, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 
672-7464. Have you heard from any former paralegal students, do, or do you know that many students, have they ever gone on to law school? Well, one thing I love about my job is that I keep up with all of my graduates, and I tell them when they come through, if they are mine now, they will be mine forever. <laughs> um, I do keep an email database of all graduates, and um, many of them um, I still keep in touch with either through email or Facebook or because our paths um, meet through professional um, ways. And I love to see where they end up. I have um, I have been at Holmes now for 10 years. I just hit my 10-year mark. And I have had six or seven to go on to law school, graduate, get there, you know, pass the bar, and are practicing law. And it's so neat to see them um, and the fact that they came to Holmes to make sure that this is what they wanted in getting the paralegal degree. Um, but what they've told me is that it gave them a very solid foundation for when they were in law school. And they actually felt like they had sort of a, a hands up on some of the other students who maybe had, you know, a political science degree or an English degree or history because they already had the basics of the legal classes behind them that they could grow with during law school. Professor Gershon, have you had any students that uh, have already been in the legal profession go through law school that you've noticed? Yes, we have. And we'll, we'll also have criminal justice majors and other majors who have come uh, through and maybe, you know, former police officers as well. Uh, you know, and, but I will say this, anyone who has worked prior to coming into law school also has a leg up because, you know, they're used to being in a professional environment. They're used to putting in a full day work. Uh, and really, I, we always tell our students it's a job. So all of those backgrounds, I mean, you know, when they're in contract class uh, and they've actually signed a contract, I think that helps them to understand a little bit better, you know, how a contract works. So certainly the, the paralegal background helps. And, but uh, I tell the students, don't park what you learned previously at the door because it's going to help you in law school. I know when I was in college, the mature students who had worked and then were coming back for a degree, they had such a richness and had such experience coming in. And one of my coworkers is getting a, a graduate degree. And she says some of these little kids who have never worked, they kind of drive her crazy because they haven't, they don't have the professionalism that someone who's had to uh, be a grown-up and and work in a field uh, brings to the, the education. All right. We are talking about paralegals today. And when we come back from the break, we would love to have your questions or your emails. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Are paralegal jobs in Mississippi on the rise or are they decreasing? We'll tell you the statistic when we come back from the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert joining us via Skype, and we're speaking with our guest, Paralegal Program Coordinator for Holmes Community College, Darlene Dozier. And according to statistics from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, there's a 7% projected job growth for paralegals in Mississippi in the next 10 years. What do you have to say about that, Darlene? I love that. Um, For as long as I've been in the paralegal profession and we've been tracking um, statistics on career growths, paralegals have been in the top of the um, careers that continue to have a growth. One thing I like about our, our degree our program is that it is so versatile in where you can end up. Most of our students, well, you would think most of them, and they probably do, end up in law firms. Um, Even when you're looking at law firms, it might be, you know, a mega firm, a very large firm. It could be a medium-sized firm, or it could be a one-person firm. But um, I have graduates that work in different governmental agencies. Um, As we were speaking with before, um, I had a student that was a docket clerk at the oil and gas board, and she didn't really equate that with doing paralegal work, but when we started looking at the tasks that she did, she was her title was not paralegal, but she was doing paralegal work. Um, I've got students working in banks. Uh, one actually became, um, she went into their legal department, but she eventually became a trainer um, to where she goes and um, trains employees on different aspects of the bank. So we have different, um, I've had several to work in legal departments of banks, insurance departments. Uh, many times a corporation will have their own legal department. And so um, that's another job possibility of being able to work as a paralegal or legal assistant with that in-house counsel. So the career itself can, yes, definitely lead you into a law firm, but there are so many other um, aspects and things that you learn that can be helpful in any kind of job. Well, and you must have been looking over my shoulder because that uh, that was what I was going to ask you next. Professor Gershon, lawyers are... Is it the same for lawyers? Do a lot of lawyers go straight into uh, the Jones, Jones, Jones and Smith law firm? Or what are some other of the avenues or uh, agencies that lawyers might go into? Well, it's a great question. There's a lot of uh, lawyers uh, go into, uh, they work for corporations everywhere. They're, you know, paralegals are working. They're usually connected with uh, with lawyers who are practicing as well. But uh, government work, public defenders, prosecutors, uh, compliance work. Uh, I've got a, a student who's going into the finance industry uh, who's, when he graduates, who uh, has, a, has a strong background in that. And so, you know, even though that's not law per se, it is something that uh, his law degree has helped prepare him for. So, uh, you know, we look at a lot of different, uh, a lot of different opportunities for these types of educations because they actually prepare you to help organizations of various types. And so it's not just law firms. Uh, and, uh, and that's what makes, uh, the career in law so versatile. Uh, one thing that I think that Darlene has to worry about and we have to worry about here at the law school is how do we, how do we prepare our students for that new world, uh, so that they're not obsolete, you know, because, um, I'm sure Darlene, will tell you that when she started doing research at Bernini uh, over 20 years ago, a lot of that work was in books. And now, you know, you never really do much research in books anymore. It's all electronic. And, uh, you know, the technology has definitely changed what we do. 
Right. But who who was it? We had a guest one time who said, your Google search doesn't trump my law degree. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and that's that's the danger is people think that they can do get all their information just online. But, you know, uh, for example, you sent me a link about uh, the public library uh, opening up access to Westlaw. Westlaw is a great resource for getting to uh, source materials for legal research cases and statutes and uh, secondary sources. But you have to know how to use that information. And that's what uh, education uh, helps you with. That's one of the things in our legal research class that we do is um, we've got a subscri- a student or an education subscription, which I'm sure y'all do, to Westlaw, and we um, show the students how to work, go through and work that um, for a certain tasks that they may be doing in a law firm. Um, there's basically two types of online legal research, which would be Westlaw and Lexis. But I tell them, you know, even if your law firm uses Lexis, it's the same concept. You may have to learn, you know, the ins and outs of that program, but it's the same concept. So if you can learn how to go in and do those searches for statutes or find that case law um, that the attorney is looking for, then um, that will definitely um, put you at an advantage. Um, Yes, when I was in college, um, we did not have the internet, and my students still laugh at me with that. Um, (laughs) um, So legal research was not one of my favorite classes in college, because we did have to pull the books. And, you know, if you made a mistake, um, it was definitely your fault for not finding something. But even with the with the technology that we have today, there's still room for user error. It cannot do it all for you. So you do have to know, um, know what you're doing. All right. We have an email and a call. Let's go to Linda in Port Gibson. Linda, thanks so much for being a part of In Legal Terms. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, um, I wanted to find out uh, about the legal. Uh, I'm kind of nervous. I'm sorry. I wanted to find out uh, do her legal legal uh, do her paralegals do they service the Port Gibson area? Okay, one of the things that is important to know about paralegals is that we do not work by ourselves. Um, that is a um, one of the no-nos of um, being a paralegal is that you always work under the supervision of an attorney. That does not mean the attorney's looking over your back, obviously, for everything that you do, but it does mean that you are getting your, um, your assignments, your tasks um, from the attorney because the attorney mm-hmm. is the one that represents the public. Um, and so when you ask if we're in the if we're in the Port Gibson area, if there are law firms in the Port Gibson area, then probably there will be paralegals in there. Were you asking um, or, or wondering if you were to get a degree, if you could possibly get a job down there? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yes. When it, where, if there is a um, if there is a law firm, no matter where it is, um, there is a chance that they could hire paralegals. Um, okay. If you, it is just it's unethical for paralegals to work straight for the public. So you should never find one that is going to um, say you know put up a door um, a storefront that says paralegal services here. Okay. Should, it, it, they will okay. always be working through an attorney. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, that is Bye-bye. very interesting. Um, you had mentioned the um, 
you had mentioned that they didn't have the client uh, attorney relationship, and I guess that's actually no relationship. Exactly. Um, there. Are- there are ways that paralegals can work on a contract basis, and they are called, you know, freelance paralegals or contract paralegals, but they are still freelanced or contract through a law firm. And so um, when I was going through college back in the 80s, we had someone in Florida who was in jail because she had a storefront. And I believe it, it was a rather famous situation at that time because because we did not have the internet. We didn't have we we heard about this um, through normal ways of news. But she had to set up a storefront and was helping people fill out legal forms. And the um, the law the law the bar said you know that is practicing law. You can't do it. Well, they gave her a chance to. Um, shut it down and she didn't so she got to sit in jail until she did so I went through college wondering was I, am I going to be put in jail for something I do obviously that is not the case um, as long as you are working under the supervision of an attorney then you are fine and whatever you know um, whatever type of position whether you're a virtual paralegal a contractor freelance you're still working with that attorney and so that is ethical to do all right this is in, this is a, a fascinating turn for me and professor Gershon I'll ask you you, I, I have I heard that a, a practicing law without a license is that without a bar affiliation is uh, tell me what that is from a, a lawyer point of view. Well, that, it's called unauthorized practice of law, and that would be uh, there are certain things that only lawyers uh, and lawyers that are licensed in that jurisdiction are allowed to uh, to handle. And uh, and so if someone is doing something that uh, that is really in the province of a lawyer uh, without being a member of the bar of that state, uh, then they can uh, be uh, punished for that. And in fact, even even criminally. So, uh, you know, it's very important that people understand what is unauthorized practice of law. And that would include a lawyer who's licensed in Mississippi for example, who's doing goes out to California and practices law in California without a license, that would also be unauthorized practice of law. So uh, very, very important that uh, people understand what it means to give legal advice. One thing I will say that uh, even though Darlene doesn't work directly with clients and doesn't directly have a, an attorney-client relationship, paralegals or anyone who works in a firm or works uh, on a client's case still have the, the duties of confidentiality and duties to avoid conflicts of interest uh, under the supervision of the lawyer. So, um, you know, she's still held to a, a high standard. And a, a question about the certifications. Darlene, for an individual who maybe, I don't know, is well-rounded but doesn't have a, a degree, could you be a paralegal? Could you get certified without getting a degree? All right. Well, Mississippi does not have a law that says you have to have 
a degree or certification to be a paralegal. The danger of that is when an attorney hires someone with no legal experience or legal education, just like um, Attorney Gershon was saying about the confidentiality issues and other ethical issues that we are bound by, they have no clue what that they may be doing something wrong. And so um, it is It is very um, important that as an attorney or law firm look at who they're hiring, that they consider this. And if they decide to hire someone without a background, then they sit them down and explain the confidentiality and the conflicts of interest and what they can and cannot do um, as a paralegal. Um, both of the associations that we are affiliated with, they do have provisions that if you've been working in the legal field, I believe it's seven years for both of them, then you can take the certification exam without a degree because we all know that on-the-job experience will learn you a lot. Um, and so that is one of the provisions that, you know, if you've been in the legal field for a long time, you do not have to come back to get a degree. Um, some people do simply because, um, you know, I've, I've got some people that come through just because they don't have a college degree and it means something to them. Or they want to show their child how important a degree is. Um, but in order to get the certifications, it's not a it's not a must as long as you have that um, the extensive legal background in experience. Professor Gershon, in Mississippi, to sit for the bar, does an individual have to have a law degree? Uh, Liz, yes, they do. And from a certif- from an ABA accredited law school, in fact, um, that's not true in California. Uh, I think uh, one of the Cardassians, in fact, is interning with a lawyer right now in an attempt uh, to uh, eventually take the bar there. And that is allowed in, in California. But most states, you have to graduate from not just a law school, but a law school that is accredited by the American Bar Association. Uh, Tennessee uh, does have one non-accredited school that does allow a state certification uh, of law schools. Uh, but in Mississippi, it's got to be an accredited, uh, ABA accredited law school. I, I'm so excited. You know a Kardashian fact. <laughs> I have two daughters. Everybody knows that Kardashian fact if they're on Facebook right now. Oh, okay. Well, I'm on Facebook, but apparently I don't go to the, the correct sites. Um, we have an online question. Uh, Darlene, how difficult is it for an older, non-traditional student to begin a career in paralegal? Okay, if you're going to come back and get your degree, um, like I said, the majority of my students in class and even online are are older. They're they're older, um, high twenties or you know older. Um, it, it, it sort of goes both ways. They usually, like he was saying before, they usually have a good work ethic. They understand that they are going to have to maybe stay up a little bit later if they have family responsibilities or if they work, you know, they're going to have to stay up and get their homework done or their reading preparation for the next day. They understand that and they do what needs to be done. Um, I have not had any students who are, are older, more mature, that are coming back to to get their degree that um, 
have wanted it and have been un- unsuccessful. Many times, and you alluded to this earlier, their frustration is with the very young students in the classroom who um, pretty much push me to the limit on what um, I will let everyone get away with. Um, they... Um, yeah, it, it gets it gets a little hairy sometimes. But as far as being a mature student, coming back, getting your degree, going into the workforce, they have no problems. My students, my graduates, if they want to get a job, they get a job. We've got a very high employment rate with our paralegal um, program. Of course, we cannot guarantee them that they will get a job. But like I said, I've only had a handful that came through and knew they were not going to work. They got their degree for some other reason. But... Um, Every everybody that has um, come through and gotten their degree, they have made the transition into the workforce and they're doing well. I'm not saying that their first job is the one they're going to retire with, but they at least get some experience behind them. They get to know what they like and they don't like, and then they're they're on their own at that point with developing their careers. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue our discussion with Darlene Dozier, Paralegal Program Coordinator for Holmes Community College. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. You've got just about 10 more minutes to get a call in if you have a question or you want to contribute. Uh, What about certifications? We'll remind you about that when we come back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms today. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon, joining us via Skype from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And we talked a little bit earlier about paralegal legal certifications. Uh, the National uh, the National Association of Legal Assistants is one. I also saw the National Federation of Paralegal Associates. And what was another one uh, about the legal secretaries? The National Association of Legal Secretaries. All right. And these offer voluntary certification examinations. And they have. do they have tests yes. that you have to pass? Yes. They each have their own um, type of test. And obviously it is going to um monitor and to um, test you on all kind of various aspects with the law and what they're wanting to before they give you this certification they're wanting to know that you're not just 
a person who walked in and said, hey, I'm a paralegal, that you actually know your stuff. You know you know the law. You know um, various aspects of the law. You understand ethics that go along with the legal profession, uh, specifically how uh, paralegals contribute to the legal profession. All right. And the voice you just heard is our guest, Darlene Dozier from uh, Holmes Community College. She's an instructor and also uh, the paralegal program uh, coordinator. We've talked a number of things about uh, different places paralegal works. And you mentioned, you know, you know, some of them who worked in governments. Do they do governments ever specifically hire paralegals, uh, municipal, state, or federal governments? Yes, all of those. You can go to, um, I believe in Mississippi, it's the Mississippi Personnel Board. That is where the state jobs are located, and um, sometimes those agencies do have titled paralegal jobs. Other times, like I was mentioning with the Oil and Gas Board, their um, person that, in my opinion, does a lot of paralegal type work is called a docket clerk. So, um, But you can look at different administrative agencies like the FBI. Um, everybody, all my students always are interested in that. They always have paralegal positions open. Of course, you have to move to Washington or Atlanta. But, you know, like I tell them, if you're not married, you don't have children, um, this would be a great time to you know, attempt that. But um, many of the administrative agencies, the Veterans Administration, Social Security, bankruptcy, they have positions that would be the equivalent of paralegal work, um, but you're working for the government. All right. And could uh, an individual work part-time as a paralegal? Yes. The the beauty of the job and, and really the career as a whole is that you can find something that will fit your schedule. I have many students who will take an entry-level job as a um, paralegal. Well, they can be a paralegal, a legal um, assistant, a receptionist, a file clerk, even a runner um, while they're in school simply to get some um, inside an inside look as to how the law firm operates. Um, if you've got an attorney who maybe cannot pay you full-time, then they will appreciate any kind of help that you can give them. Maybe you'll come in in the mornings, open up, go through the mail, help them get their day started. Um, get you know Maybe that's when the attorney sees the clients is in the morning. So they will help with that, and then they'll be off that afternoon. So... The paralegal can work any hours that the um, that the attorney needs. I've got a friend who just um, got a job, I believe, with the firm in New York as a virtual paralegal. So everybody thinks, oh, it'd be great to work from home. Well, you still have to work. <laughs> um, but yes, the the field is because of technology. The field is just opening up to uh, almost. If you can walk into a really good situation or after some time where you've um, got a reputation where people, you know, firms and attorneys trust you and they know your reputation, that you can build a really nice career based on the schedule that you want. All right. And we have one last call to get to. Mikey from Mobile, thanks for calling. You're on In Legal Terms. Go ahead. I love this program. Thank you so much, Ms. Um, uh, Dozier, for enlightening me and exciting me, in fact. Um, my question is regarding if you already have other degrees that, uh, with some of the classes that you mentioned already on your academic record, are they accepted? If they are from an accredited college, even from another state, when you transfer in, we run what is called a degree evaluation. And 
many times if the numbers are the same, then they will plug right in. If they're not, then we look, and if the class is basically the same as what we teach, then yes, we will we will plug that in, and you will not have to take those classes again. All righty. Um, and just uh, another couple, if you don't mind, oh, actually one, I guess. You say that three semesters is the average. Uh-huh. I'd like to know what sort of expenses involved because education costs, as it should. And must they be consecutive? Must the, uh, the three semesters be consecutive? They must not. Um, we have got students that, for whatever reason, life happened. They had to stop a semester. I always encourage them to continue with one class um, because many times if they do stop, it's hard to get back in the groove of being in school. Um, But yes, you can come back at any time and just pick back up where you left off. Um, You can go to our our website at homescc.edu and look at our tuition rates. Uh, The last time I looked um, for the tuition fees and all of that for a full two years um, would be about between four and five thousand. But be sure to look on the website for those tuition fees. Right, because it changes. Thank you it so does, much. It does. It does. All right, Mikey, we appreciate you calling in today. And you did mention going to the website. We'll have that on the website for this show. But it's almost the end of the year. New year starting. Tell us about uh, people who are, if they wanted to register. We are winding down the semester. We'll be giving finals in the next two weeks, and we're all excited about that. But in the middle of that, we're also advising and registering for summer classes as well as the fall classes. Um, as I said, our, our um, campus, our face-to-face paralegal classes are on the Ridgeland campus. We have um, our schedule set up so you can come two days if you want to, Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or you can come all four days. We do not have classes on Fridays. Um, we have some classes that are eight weeks, and we have hybrids that don't meet um, every every day that they are um, technically scheduled. Um, our online classes, we have full 16-week online classes. We have eight-week and four-week classes. So we have um, we have basically any kind of schedule that you would like to put together. You can um, contact me at Holmes, and I will be glad to um, talk to you about your schedule. If you would like to um, register as a student, you would just simply go, go to homecc.edu and click Enroll Now. Then you, could, um, you would apply to be a student. You would look down for the major of AAS, which is Associates of Applied Science, Paralegal Technology. Once you click on that, you're a paralegal major, you're automatically assigned to me, and we can work together to get you that perfect schedule. All right, Professor Gershon, when are your finals at uh, Ole Miss? Well, my, my final is uh, the 29th, April 29th, uh, so coming very soon, and then I've got another one that's the take-home. So, uh, But we have graduation on May 11th, soon. I know. I'm going to be there. Hooray. My baby's Congratulations, graduating. Congratulations, yeah. I hope. <laughs> so for, Darlene, thank you for being on our show today. We thank appreciate you. having you. That's going to wrap us up for In Legal Terms. Our call screener today has been Michelle McAdoo. Our board engineer in Jackson has been Jay White. And for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. But we hope you join us next Tuesday at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you. 
The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.